0: Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. Last week, we discussed some methods used to identify false teaching based on the letter written to Timothy from the Apostle Paul concerning the church at Ephesus. Today, we're going to embark on part two of that discussion as we start our new series entitled What in the World? we will begin to learn about how to articulate sound doctrine. It's one thing to be able to identify that something is wrong. It's something totally different to be able to analyze, diagnose, and articulate why it's wrong and present a solution. We're going to start with learning how to get to the why of our faith. Not only addressing topics like who is God, what is man, sin, and salvation. What is the gospel? And what does it mean to be Created in the image of God and why does that matter in today's culture and context the writer of Hebrews warned the church of drifting away Because of dull hearing you have been a believer so long that you ought to now be teaching others instead You need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word It's unfortunate that this is the same poor status most believers today When it comes to the fulfillment of the gospel mission to make disciples we find ourselves in the same place We have so many resources that are available to us, but we've become lazy and it's time for a reboot. The church needs a jumpstart. We need a revival. And I'm persuaded that we need to own our faith where we can faithfully navigate being in the world, but not of the world. where we can build upon the sound foundation that was laid by Christ and those who are perishing can see Christ and it will ultimately be up to them to receive him or reject them. I can recall when I first started doing street evangelism. The first time me and my friend Larry went into my old neighborhood, it was scary. I was so nervous about sharing my faith, thinking to myself, would I have the right answers to the tough questions? Would I be able to navigate the scriptures? The texts that I had memorized, would I be able to find them? Would I be able to keep my cool if someone challenged me or got in my face? These things all swirled around in my head. And when I come to think of it, why was I so nervous? Well, maybe it's because culture has told us that it's not okay to talk about politics and religion. Ever heard that? Our culture also has told us that the Bible has been disproven by scientific discovery. It's even said that the Bible is misogynistic and needs to be reformed. Our culture has bred in us that everybody's experiences are equal. And finally, the 11th and twelfth commandments are, thou shall not disagree and thou shalt not be rude because the Bible is rude. So we wrestled with the concept. But ultimately, we decided that God's word informs us to be a witness to all the world. So we hit the streets with the attitude of if I perish, I perish. And much to our surprise, after the first day on the streets, we didn't even die. You may laugh about it, but it was a very real possibility at the time where I grew up. What we learned really quickly was we were not equipped to answer the questions non-church folks were asking. But you know what it caused us to do? Go home, crack open our Bibles, and learn why we believe what we believe. And in doing that, we were strengthening our faith. Unfortunately, many have come to a place in our culture where faith means doing reckless things, then demanding that God come in and rescue us or bail us out. Faith has become an absence of reason. It's just a blind act of the will and thinking and reasoning have become worldly. But Jesus clearly stated that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul and with all our mind. Faith is actually the ability to act based on God's nature. It's literally learning to trust God. We say that all the time foundation of faith is bid on trusting in what's true. An example is when Satan tempt Je- tempted Jesus in the wilderness, presented him a worldview based on skewed truth. And Jesus called upon the word of God and its truth that specifically pertained to his current situation. In other words, Jesus had to maintain a biblical worldview. In today's message, we'll learn why the church today is uh, facing Many skewed perspectives that many believers are not equipped to withstand simply because we've lost our minds. Okay, let me explain before I offend you or before you get insulted. When I say we've lost our mind, I'm referring to when we act according to human wisdom as it stands in sharp contrast to God's word. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, believers are given a beautiful promise that we are possessors of the mind of Christ that will instruct us. It reads, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So what does the phrase, the mind of Christ actually mean? It literally means we have the unique ability to hear and understand God because we are indwelled by his Holy Spirit. Those who do not have the spirit of God cannot understand the ways of God like a Christian. This does not mean that they can't know about God, but believers have a unique connection with God to accomplish his purpose in the world. Why is this important? Because it gives us discernment, which means that we have a unique ability to uniquely understand how spiritual things impact the world around us. Some might be saying, now, wait a minute, pastor. I'm not into all that spooky stuff. Here's the thing. You can deny it all you want, But as a believer, you're into it, whether you want to be or not. A better way of saying it is, I am not aware how the Holy Spirit indwells and illuminates the word of God for me to help me to be able to renew my mind. Or I'm not aware of how uh, it works when I participate in spiritual disciplines and they allow God to work in me. So in a time where tons of important things are determined based on experiences, We want the church to be able to navigate the what and the why so that we can effectively communicate the gospel. We want you to know what you believe. We want you to know why you believe it. And we want you to be able to effectively communicate why someone else should believe it too. If you're ready to get started, turn with me and your Bibles to Jude. Anyone want to guess what chapter? That was a trick question. Jude only consists of one chapter. You see, Jude was one of Jesus's brothers, but it was interesting that he addressed himself as being the brother of James, who we also know was Jesus's brother. In the introduction, Jude gives us a marvelous image of what it means to be a Christian. Jude 1.1 says, Jude, a servant of Jesus and brother of James. To those who are called beloved in God, the father, and kept For Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. These two lines are chalked full with wisdom, and it's just a greeting. Jude immediately teaches us that Christians are called by God, loved by the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ. There is so much purpose and meaning in our lives because we are connected to God. He also introduces us to this concept of having mercy, peace, and love available to us. Verse three, he said, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about the common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. You see, James wanted to write them to speak about the faith they shared, but it was more pressing that he wrote to them to strongly urge them to fight for the faith. The faith is something that must be defended and every believer must be a defender of the faith. The root of the Greek word for contend actually means agony. The defense of the faith falls on every generation to pass an authentic faith to our next generation. This is why we are so passionate about next generation ministry throughout the Bible. We see faith falling to the wayside by the third generation and the fourth generation. Then God needs to raise up another group of individuals to uphold the standard of God again. Will we be that generation church? We can ill afford to be lulled asleep by the cultural dynamics that teach us that faith doesn't really matter. We're taught that it's something personal that should be kept to ourselves. But listen, it's up to faithful believers to not only speak truth, but to live out truth. Let's look at verse four. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for the condemnation for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the leaders and various voices had come into the church and propagated blatant immorality. Moved by their central desires, they rested on the grace of God so that they would be able to continue certain behaviors that were not found in scripture to be appropriate. We may not be dealing with the same particular sin today in our church, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be guarding our hearts from teaching that pervert the gospel message. What we fight today in the church is what we call secular humanism, which is our social scientists way of explaining certain phenomenon that believers should see as doing things without God. Oh, humanism doesn't have a solution for our sin problem. And on the surface, its merits seem admirable. I'm sure at the Tower of Babel, the humans thought it was uh, a great idea to build a tower to heaven. But it was in the stark, it was in stark contrast to what God told them to do. He told them to be fruitful and multiply and populate the earth. And they had their eyes set on the stars. At the core of humanism is uh, seeking rational ways to solve human problems. The problem with it is the reliance on our minds that have been broken by sin. And so the world system that is also impacted by sin can't be fixed by people with broken minds to try and fix the sin. And so we see why it's important that we don't lose the mind of Christ. But this is nothing new. Christians have have had the vantage point that social sciences have missed since the beginning. We saw that man was trying to replace God with himself. That's literally what happened when uh, Satan told the first humans, if you eat from this tree, you will be like him. In verses five through 16, the text gives us numerous stories about how rebellious people receive justice from God. It also shows us how they led various people astray and thus corrupting their followers. Jude also warns the church of the warnings throughout history that were basically ignored. And so we're going to drop down to verse 17 when he comes to the warnings of the apostles. He says, but you must remember beloved the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time, There will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause division, worldly people devoid of the spirit. And as we can see, these are people who can't have the mind of Christ because they don't have the spirit. And these teachings have propagated the church. They've snuck into the church to our own detriment. Like we talked about last week, we should be super cautious about any teaching that comes into the church from outside sources. Many denominations have fallen because they allowed ideologies and philosophies from academia to change the way that believers view the scripture. Because again, the body has lost our minds. The ability to use reason in verse 18, they scoff God and have led believers astray with their own, watch this, ungodly passions. There are so many things that I see in the church that are based and predicated on ungodly passions. The church is so consumed with consumerism, with money and blessing and well being and all these experiences and dreams and visions. And we're so infatuated with those things that we can't hardly even walk out our Christian walk. And time and time again, the church initially puts up a good fight, but because of public outcry and the commandments, you know, don't offend people. They end up wearing the church down because we want to have bigger buildings and we want to reach more people with the gospel. We water down our faith and we allow different attractional models to become doctrine and they end up getting us to change our outlook on the text based on public outcry and virtue signaling. We become intimidated and believe that to stand on God's side is hate speech. Now, we know some people hijack the Christian message and do harm to Jesus' name by the way they talk out the side of their neck. I'm not talking about that. But to overcompensate, we end up not wanting to sound like them and being soft in our orthodoxy. So here is what we are going to do while we are in this series. You ready? You ready? Are you sure you're ready? Raise your hand if you're ready. Okay, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. We are going to establish our foundation in the most holy faith. In the truth of God's word, when a building or a home is being built, the seemingly most boring part is when the foundation is being poured. There's a lot of digging, dirt and grime. But every homeowner knows that the foundation is the most important part of the building where you decide to place your house is vitally important. Our foundation is not something that we build ourselves. It's something that was received. It was poured by Jesus and given to the apostles and passed down through the generations to us through the transmission of God's word. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. We're going to build our faith upon the truth of the word of God. Continuing in verse 20, and praying in the Holy Spirit. As disciples of Christ, we need to learn our need for dependence. Prayer is essentially saying, I need you, God. Prayer is love and need appealing to love and power. You may be asking, so why does Jude say pray in the spirit? Some believe this means praying in unknown tongues. While this may apply, I believe this is more centered around allowing the Holy Spirit to lead our prayers. We are so prone to pray for our own selfish desires. And so God is telling us to pray good prayers according to the spirit of God. Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord, Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So, we need to live out our life through obedience to the word. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments and stay true to this lifestyle by awaiting the return of Christ. Now, I know some of you are getting nervous now, saying, Okay, Pastor, here he goes again with this evangelism thing. He wants me to talk to people, he wants me to, 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 to do something with my faith. It's not me wanting this. Is God wanting this. We live in a season and in an hour where God is wanting so desperately to heal, touch, and bring hope to the world. Will you be a part of it? It was written. You've been a Christian so long. By this time, you ought to be teachers. How many people are out there teaching? How many people are out there actually sharing the word of God in a way that people are growing in their understanding of who God is and being drawn to him? Show of hands. When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody in a way that brought them into a deeper understanding of who God is? go ahead show hands listen God did not save us so that we can have social clubs and quite frankly right now I'm missing church I'm missing hugging necks I'm missing uh Stan talking so long that he forgot that his coffee's getting cold I just love that. Speaking of Stan, I haven't had a rabbit trail yet. It's about time for one. Your life should be lived in such a way that you're drawing people to God. Remember when I talked about my first, the first time me and my buddy went down uh, into my old neighborhood and uh, shared the gospel message? Well, what I didn't share with you guys was that my buddy was facing five to 99 years in prison. And our very own Stan Scheipe was a sergeant Were you a sergeant we used to call you Sarge. he was a commander he was in charge of some some other uh officers uh and he was often in the prison system and my buddy came in contact with stan while he was in the prison system and stan left such an impact on his life that when he got out of prison he said he was going to find stan's church and see what it was all about that meant that young man now is the executive executive pastor of that church and I know Stan is going to kill me for sharing this story, but that's okay. It's just an example of living your life in a way that it draws others in. See, y'all thought y'all don't get through a sermon without a rabbit trail. It applied. And so while we're doing this, while we're being the body of Christ, how should we interact with others? I'm glad you asked. Having mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. As you can see, Judas is really serious about this word. First off, he told us to agonize and contend for our faith. Now he's telling us to save others like snatching people out of the fire. Have you ever snatched anybody out of fire? i have never done it, but it sounds pretty intense. And so I can only imagine what it's going to take in our spiritual walk to snatch people out of the flames of hell. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. Listen, we must live our lives in a way that we seek to allow the spirit of God to use our lives to lead those who are lost back to himself. We gotta be ready to speak from all walks of life. Those who seem far and those who are flirting with sin, we gotta be ready to give them a reason for the hope that we find in Christ. Now, church, I'm really excited and ready to get geared up for this series. I don't know how long it's going to last, but on the other side of it, I guarantee you, you're going to be able to articulate your faith like never before. You're going to be able to go into the scriptures and open up the word and find where certain things are and how they apply to the lives of believers and to the world around us. You're going to be able to identify ideologies that don't align with Christ. And so when you hear stuff that sounds good, you when you hear stuff that that, 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 that kind of conflicts you and your spirit just kind of just like, I don't know. But people and pressure and people that you look up to and respect are saying that you know, well, maybe it's, it's OK. You're going to learn how to discern the things and be noble like the Bereans. And what they did was when the apostles were teaching, they would go back to scripture and see if what they were saying was true. We need to align our lives in this very way. And so this is what I need from you. I need you to hit up our line at bit.ly forward slash and there ask any questions that you want, any questions that you want. And the leaders, we're going to sit down and we're going to answer questions. Some will be in sermon form. Some will be in short video form that we'll post on social media in various places. But this is a time, church, for us to learn to build on the foundation which is our faith and anything that's not built upon the faith of Jesus Christ. And it's conti- and it's complete work. Listen, it's being built on something that will not last. And you wonder why when, 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 when life starts to go sideways, everything falls apart. Well, you got to look at what you're building upon. Also let me know in the comments, because I want to have some supplemental stuff as well to help uh, build upon Sunday sermons. And so let me know in the comments, uh, If uh, there's some small group sessions that you guys want to do, small group leaders, uh, reach out to me if you want to start back up small groups uh, so that we can talk through some of these challenges of the world and we can know how to answer those who need hope. Listen, I'm excited. You should be excited. And for the next few moments, I just want you to do this. I want you to think about um, those areas of your life that you haven't submitted to God. Wholeheartedly and completely If that means that you haven't trusted him For salvation and you want to know more what it More about what it means to be a believer Please reach out to us Please reach out to us At bit.ly Forward slash Connect with NECC um, Because the notion is this It's the most important decision That you will ever make And if you're already a believer And you're just kind of going through the motions and you need prayer. Fill out a fill out a form there. uh, Hit us up. Hit us up there as well. Uh, There's a space there where you can check you need prayer and we'll have somebody from our prayer team contact you and pray with you over the phone. And finally, for the rest of us who've been at NECC for a while, y'all knew this was coming. I haven't checked y'all's homework. I know y'all know all the times I've, I've been asking y'all that there was somebody specific on your mind that you need to share the gospel with. There's somebody specific on your mind that you need to reconcile with. Have you did it? You Haven't done that yet because you're like, I got time. Now is the time to do it. Reach out to somebody. From what we read from the word of God today, we we read that we should be praying in the spirit. And so this is what I want to do for the next 30 seconds to a minute. I want you right where you are. If you're in the living room with someone else, join hands and just pray for this upcoming series. Pray for our church and pray for the people in your circle of influence just for the next minute, minute and a half. Come on, let's just pray. And then I'm going to jump in and I'm going to close us out. Dear Heavenly Father, we we come to you with bowed hearts, um, seeking wisdom and guidance, Lord. Seeking understanding of, well, what we should be doing, to bring you glory. Lord, we want to be disciples who make disciples. Lord, we want to reach people, for your glory. And so, Father, I just pray that you will cause a fire to be stirred within our hearts. Lord, set a fire within us. Lord, help us to get over apathy. Lord, help us to find that firm foundation and stop trying to build our houses on the sand. Lord, let us stop flirting with apathy and apostasy, oh Lord, that that we some of us don't know how close we are to falling away, Lord, because we haven't fully committed our hearts. Some of us have been just around church so long that we believe that we've trusted you for salvation, Lord God, but we don't even remember a moment where we cried out to you. And so, Lord, this is not about being in community, Lord. This is about our eternal security. And so, Lord, move upon hearts that when the wrath of the cross was headed our way, Jesus, you prepared for yourself a body. And you took our punishment. You took our pain. You took our separation and you restored our relationship with the father. You extended grace. Lord, we didn't get what we deserved, but we got what you gave. As the old song says, you didn't have to do it, but I'm glad you did. Lord, we love you. We give you glory and we're grateful for the work of the cross. We're grateful that grace has been multiplied to us. And we're grateful for a firm foundation on which we can stand. Father, we love you. We give you glory. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.